pivotal season. I mean, yes, every every season's a pivotal season, but with Wainwright retiring and the Cardinals uh, <laughs> having won one playoff round since 2014, and these other teams splurging on players, like this is a year to prove that you can compete with the big boys in the National League. Because if you don't, it's like, what are you even doing here? Hello, everybody, and welcome to the best podcast in baseball, brought to you by Closet by Design in St. Louis. I'm St. Louis Post-Dispatch baseball writer Derek Gould, joined this week for the start of Season 11 of BPIB. It's the traditional start here from spring training in Jupiter, where we posed the 10 questions, and who better to ask anything numbered 10 about ah. than... 10 Hawkman host, Benjamin Hawkman. Benjamin, we're going to go through these 10 questions. Are you, are you ready? I'm excited. I'm excited. We're here in Florida. Spring training is about to happen. It is. We're on the eve of it as this podcast is recorded and hopefully produced. But uh, in Sunday's post-dispatch came the, the traditional, I guess, do we call that now? I mean, it's almost 20-plus years running of this 10 questions, right? Sounds like a tradition to me, Derek. Yeah. Okay. 20, so. yeah, 20, two decades of this. this well, at least, yeah. It's a tradition unlike any other. The unlike ten, any other. Any other. Yeah, no, no golf tournament would ma- match this. I mean, this is a tra- tradition unlike any other. I was just thinking that no one else thinks about like posing questions that have to be answered in spring training. This is a completely STL today. Right. Yeah, no, this is anyway. So ten questions. Um, if you have other ones that we can get to, say say bonus Hawkman, sure. which also you know works. Um, we can do that at the end. But I want to get your thoughts on 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 these as they were presented in the Sunday Post Dispatch. Question one. Are you ready? I am. Now, are you really ready? It was rattling. I wanted to take off the table. Oh, okay. Got it. With full schedule and new coaches, what does Camp Ollie look like? Yeah, I'm fascinated about this. Um, of course, last year was Marmol's first year as a manager at spring training, but it was it was wedged. It was it was it was uh, was zero to sixty. It was boom. I mean, they yeah. jumped right into it. They had to at, right after the lockout there. So. Uh, I'm really curious to hear um, Marmol's, I guess it would be like mindset towards slowly but surely getting into spring. And then we have numerous new coaches that we're going to get to interview and, and get to know. I know you've gotten to know Dusty Blake uh, pretty well already. Uh, I'm excited to get to know Joe McEwing, the former Cardinal, Little Mac. Remember the, my favorite thing about the, uh, 1999, they had Big Mac Land for Mark McGuire to hit home runs, and then rookie Little Mac had a Little Mac Land, which was like right over the wall oh, in, really? in lower left. Oh, yeah. That was Little Mac <laughs> Land. Uh, so I'm excited to meet him. Obviously, he worked with Tony last year, so and he's, he's been around the game, so a lot of – cool uh, anecdotes these guys will have and obviously good philosophy towards baseball and yeah, this is a pivotal season for the St. Louis Cardinals. They all are, I mean, in their own way and uh, I'm excited to see Camp Ollie 2.0, I suppose. You uh, you talked to Oliver Marmol and he gave you kind of the two compass points of his approach as manager. Um, what were those two words and how do you think they apply to a spring training camp? Yeah, those two words were Beat Milwaukee. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, they were um, honesty and curiosity. Uh, he works with a man named Dr. Michael Gervais, who's worked with Coach Pete Carroll uh, and other people in sports. Becky Sauerbrunn uh, from St. Louis uh, has, has worked with Dr. Michael Gervais, and he's just a guy that studies mastery. He looks at how other people master their 
world, uh, their work world, and what are they doing? And uh, he, he takes little nuggets and he puts them together and shares those nuggets with other people. Well, Dr. Michael Gervais and manager Ali Marmol become close friends. And they talk a lot, they text a lot. And basically, Dr. Michael Gervais said, can you take your philosophy and narrow it down to one sentence or, or one word? Like, where are you coming from? And Ali basically said, well, how about two? And he, he narrowed it down to two words honesty and curiosity and it's quite simple but very powerful uh, honesty within the organization within communication with players and, and staff and with himself and then also curiosity the idea of just because everyone in the room is super smart doesn't mean that we can't come up with a possible better way to do something that's been done quite well in baseball for however many years and how do you think that shows up in spring? Do you think you'll see elements of that honesty maybe with blunt assessments of sure. guys and maybe some blunt assessments of how much progress they're making as a team? That could be beneficial. Curiosity, yeah. does that show up in exploring new ways around familiar rule or new rules? I'm, I'm not sure. Or even positions, putting – Curious about how certain guys will do at certain positions, mm. uh, and we'll get to one of the positions in these ten questions here that uh, that has kind of a question mark on it, and you'll be curious to see how different guys can navigate that particular position. And uh, he mentioned even just curiosity in how to coach somebody, how to say the right words, the right things, the right buzzwords that, that maximize a player. He said mm-hmm. he and some coaches were sitting around talking about Moises Gomez um, for, I believe it was 30 to 40 minutes, just talking, talking. What should we say? What's our message? And I loved it because you think there's some, someone might jump to the conclusion that a manager and his staff are normally just talking about the 26 best player, you know, the 26 players on the team, or if you will, the star players. No, they're talking about dudes that have never even been Cardinals yet and how to prepare them in spring so maybe when they are Cardinals, they will be maximized. Yeah, part of that conversation about Moises Gomez was, okay, he's got these improvements to make. He set a record last year for most home runs hit 39 by in the Cardinals minor league affiliate, right? Double A and triple A, just a power packed performance. Former Tampa Bay prospect who really kind of had a breakout year last year, but has some swing and miss in his game, a lot a swing and miss in his game. And so how does that translate to the majors? And the conversation they were having was how, how do you progress him through spring because one element of this spring is time you know it's seven weeks it's not the three weeks it's not blitz it's more of a a a gallop you know yeah more more of a build-up and so it's going to give them time to introduce and have you know okay what's the right route for him to work on these improvements and then get going in game speed which brings us to the second question because there's going to be plenty of at bats for a player like him, you figure, because of the World Baseball Classic. Cardinals have 19 players from their major league and minor league camps going to the World Baseball Classic. Uh, that is, Those are the first workouts that will happen here as pitchers and catchers going to the World Baseball Classic will report. Name, you know, Chiefly, you'll see the pitchers, obviously, Adam Wainwright, Miles Michaelis going off to Team USA. Um, you know, But all of those guys leaving will leave innings and at bats available in Grapefruit League games and 
attention available that normally wouldn't be there that really was not existent last year because the priority was getting the guys who you're counting on ready uh so who do you think maximizes the world of opportunity because to me it is a kind of double-edged factor here right like it's not only like the available innings and at bats but it's also like how do the guys going off to the world baseball classic use that to slingshot into the season like we've seen other guys do yeah yeah you brought up that uh Tyler O'Neill will likely play center field uh, for Team Canada, so that's a new uh, position to navigate for him, and so that's awesome that he'll get those reps, if you will. And yeah, I mean, you look at basically the bench, um, the guys that are either vying to be starters for St. Louis or to not be sent down or play in AAA for St. Louis, Burleson, uh, Jordan Walker, most excitingly, uh, Yepes. These are guys that are going to get probably, assumingly, is that even a word? Assumingly, assumingly, more at bats than uh, they would have perhaps got in previous springs because Goldschmidt's with Team USA and, and other dudes are with other teams. So, who do you think takes advantage of this? Well, uh, I mean, I'm excited about Yepes. Um, I mean, there's lots to like. We saw a lot, a lot to like, and he also was a, a student of Albert Pujols last year, if you will. I think uh, talking to him over the year, I just love how he soaked up as much Albert as he could, and now he's in his second season, and will hopefully, for his sake, bring it to camp. And I'm just excited to see him uh, smack some baseballs and see where he ends up on on opening day. Is, it, is there a pitcher that you think might benefit from? These innings, uh, you know, a Jake Woodford, a Matthew Libertor, these kind of guys. Yeah, yeah, and and even Dakota Hudson, I suppose. Um, he, he's such an interesting guy because I mean, he's pitched so many years for St. Louis. Yet, if a starting rotation has five guys, he's the sixth guy. Um, so yeah, of course for Dakota Hudson. Um, I mean, what he what what can he show? And if, with a new pitch clock, I presume the pitch clock will be used in the in the games in spring, so he'll get to work with that, get some experience. And I don't know if the, how many will these guys. I, mean, I don't know what the numbers are. Do they get one more extra start or two more extra starts? Whatever it is, but inevitably they'll get some more innings than they probably would have otherwise. And that's important because it's. I don't want to say it's like a tryout, but it's like a it's a show you what you got situation. All right, question three. I'm just going to read straight from the story here. If Jack's back-to-Jack, is rotation actually stacked? If Jack's back-to-back, back, wow, that's a tongue twister. Uh, I didn't have any problem with it. You ran it off the screen. Um, I would say, well, I'm excited about Jack Flaherty. I think he can be an all-star this year. But the question Didn't you like predict like that's the headline, right? You said he's yeah, going to be an all star. Yeah, it's my that's my you know jumping out. I don't know if it's much of a limb, but I think that a guy who's proven he can be a star pitcher if healthy, uh, big if of course, could be an all star this coming season. Uh, does that mean the rotation is stacked? Though I guess is is the question from the question, mm-hmm. and that. I don't know if stack's the right word because there are question marks. Uh, so, like, all right, so where I'm saying Jack Flaherty is going is an A. You know, he is, he's, we're giving him an A grade right now that in, in my anticipation for the season. But what, what do the other four dudes do? And every spring somebody gets hurt, and every spring, and every, and then spring in the regular season, somebody underachieves. So, not. Not saying for sure it's going to happen, but like, all right, will Montgomery, Mats, Michaelis, and Wainwright all ascend and have plus seasons this year? The optimist says yes, but the fear is if they don't, is it? Can you quickly replace it with a Libertor, Hudson, um, Woodford, and get good results, or do you have to say 
okay, we need to make a trade. The clock's ticking. We can't afford this. We need so there's a lot of question marks. I would say, but I'm excited. I'm, I'm optimistic that the Cardinals will have a pretty good rotation. Now, will the Mets have a better rotation? Probably. Yeah, yeah. What ha- what is a fair like if you get average from all the starters? Okay. How good are the Cardinals? If you, if, yeah, if you just get average, not their average. I mean, not like average in Major right. League Baseball. Not like you know they're sure. all at four or five. But if you just get average from them, what what are they as a rotation? I'd, I'd still say up there. I mean, I mean, I think to answer the question in real time, you, you break it down. I mean. Was last year average Wainwright, whereas the year before when he was seventh in Cy Young is kind of more elite Wainwright? Yeah, yeah. I mean, or somewhere in between those two. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of it is, is innings eating, and a lot of it is – now, we don't see a lot of swing and miss from some of these guys, and that's something that Ali, of course, has planted his flag on this coming year. Um, I'd be – I mean, it's hard to answer this right away, but I, I'm, I'm confident that an average of those guys – could could navigate a good season, but I guess, I guess what I guess what I'm dancing around is I don't under I don't I don't have numbers for what average is. In yeah, this I mean, you have a feel like you feel like I'm not putting like an ERA on it, but I guess we could. Like, I mean, like, yeah. let's just say that they run the gamut from three five ERA to four nine ERA, and they fit in there. But you know, Michaelis on average provides 200 innings. Mm-hmm. Wayne Wright right now on average provides 180 innings. Those are yeah. the, those guys do that. Um, you know, Matt's on average. What is he about? One forty, one sixty. Yeah. You know, um, Montgomery probably on average. You probably could bump that up a little bit, right? Yeah. Like expect a little bit more from him. Um, yeah. So maybe he maybe he actually is slightly above average for mm-hmm. his career. Um, at least that's where he should be in his career. And then Jack is, you know, not. 2021 start of the season right. jack but is more um somewhere just above that you know so if they're all just kind of average how good of a rotation do they have they, they have it would seem like they have the innings covered yeah which is valuable yeah. um so it goes series to series but what they would lack is that known event pitcher Right, like the events would be. This is Wainwright's last pitch here. This is Wainwright's last start here. This is Wainwright's oh, last. Yeah. It would all the events would be, you know, the last kind of tour of Adam Wainwright, as opposed to an event like, okay, this this could be, this could be, this could be a shot. This could be a no hitter. This, this could be like, yeah, this is you know Scherzer versus versus Cardinal pitcher Y. This is a this is a marquee matchup. Um, you might lack that. Yeah, I mean, you look at Michaelis last year, though. I mean, how, I don't know the number, but he took many games in the seventh, eighth, or even yeah. the ninth. Now, was that an above average Michaelis season? As we're, as we're no, I think that's probably. I mean, I think it's pretty fair to have high expectations for yeah. Michaelis. This now, year. an all-star. I mean, heck, yeah. So if he does that again, that's super <laughs> exciting. And and yeah, there was a stretch there where it's like, all right, is this is this the day Michaelis gets a shutout? Is this the day he gets obviously a complete game? And of course, that famous night where it's like, is this the night where he's going to actually get a no hitter? And um, who was it? Bader was one inch taller type thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe maybe we're talking about Miles Michaelis being a no hitter pitcher. Question four: Is there an opening, a real opening, this camp for prospect Jordan Walker? 
Great question. Now, of course, if we were having this conversation three years ago, the DH doesn't exist, and, it, and it's so DH adds the opportunity here. This is a great question, to be honest, because and and I love the quote. I wrote about this once this this off season. Like Oliver Marmol said, like I hope that Jordan Walker wakes up every day this this winter hoping and working to take somebody's job. And I hope that those three guys are working so hard so no one takes their job. Mm-hmm. I might have butchered it a little bit, but you get the sentiment of the quote. So, yeah, I mean, the Cardinals are going into spring training with three starting outfielders that they they know, that they can count on, that they didn't trade for a replacement for, that they are excited about. So how does this fourth outfielder, who, of course, can DH, but then you you have other players that can dh too how does he do this so yeah it's i i don't i don't i don't think i have the answer right now but like what if this guy just has a spring out of his mind you got to put him on the major league team so it's like in a weird way it's like only if he struggles then you can kind of ease him in have him play some outfield in memphis but we're talking about how he's probably gonna get more at bats i mean new bars in the in the world baseball classic as is tyler o'neill more at bats um and you mentioned uh, we were talking the other day on the picnic table outside the clubhouse about Oscar Mercado, uh, another uh, curveball, if you will, another possibility in the outfield with some some, some MLB experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I guess short answer after my long-winded answer is Walker's going to have to play his butt off and to for them to say, all right, we're going to give you starts in the major league because that means someone else is not starting. Yeah, it's interesting because he's right-handed bat. So you got the outfield aspect, and he told you that he's really been focused on improving in the outfield so that he can prove he can be an everyday player. But it might be also that he's pitted against Yepes and Gomez for that right-handed DH spot, which a year ago they were like, we're going to leave this open and we're going to try to find if any of our young guys can do it. And by the end of camp, they went and got the oldest player, (laughs) the oldest player in Major League Baseball, and off he went to have just a remarkable season. Um, It doesn't look like, uh, you know, an Albert Pujols is walking through the right field wall this year. So, you know, it does – seem like uh you know there, there's a real competition there and maybe that's where the real opening is so i guess that and that's a question I'll, I'll throw back to you is let's say everybody has a great spring um in regards to the three starting outfielders and jordan walker are you comfortable and i'm asking myself too are comfortable with putting jordan walker on the big league roster knowing he'll he could definitely dh against lefty starters but how many lefty starters are there and could start a few games a week, but is, is that enough to have him not get regular at-bats six, seven days a week, if you will, in AAA? I'm pretty bottom line about that. Is he the fourth best player? Because that's what the DH allows. Is he the fourth best hitter you have for that spot? Well, we're going to see, of course, but it's quite possible. In, that in your scenario, is he? Oh, the, yeah, yeah. In my scenario, yes. Then yes. Then he's part of the 20. Yeah. Then he is because the DH opens that up. If you have the opportunity to have the fourth best hitter of mm-hmm. that group, then yes, they'll be playing time for him, and maybe they'll be playing time against right-handed pitching too, um, depending on who that left-handed option is. It's yeah, um, exciting. I mean, gosh, I mean, uh, it's, 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 it's I, I think about prospects a lot. You know, we get we get so excited. We media, we fans, we front office get so excited about <laughs> prospects, and then the, the prospects on our specific teams that we cover or work for. 
And like I think about like the Mets, we were talking about this in the car. The Mets have like one of the top five prospects too. He's a catcher. Are the are, is the second best podcast in baseball? The the Mets writers are they talking about uh, uh, this catcher right now? Are the are the Mets fans sitting at the bar in Queens talking about Wait, this catcher is going to be the next Gary Carter? Blah 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 blah, or or not? Uh, meanwhile, we for better I would say for better I would say for better or worse but for better we write the heck about out of Jordan Walker we analyze the heck out of it as like this is a top five prospect this is the future and so it's just fascinating to think about it from that way and then the other thing I'll say real quick is um, we've seen in recent years prospects starting if you will an age earlier a year earlier mm-hmm. and, and most notably the reigning rookie of the year last year so if that's a trend then yeah Maybe when Jordan Walker was drafted or whatever, we would say, like, oh, yeah, 2024 is probably going to be his first year. Well, here we are. 2023 could very well be his first year. It'll also be the Cardinals' first test of how they approach service time under the new CBA. Um, You know, they can try to try to massage it, um, do the Chris Bryant Cubs thing and try to get an extra year of control. Um, The Cardinals haven't done that all that much. They have had a perception that if that's the situation they'll try to get an extension done and if they can't then it's on them um but that that is there and we'll watch it closely and ask a lot about it and it may not matter if he comes up after that time and then plays a lot and plays well and finishes high in the rookie of the year voting he'll not only get a bump in salary because of that performance but he'll also get the full full year of service time and the cardinals will have then wasted all you know or not wasted but will have not their gambit will not have worked for the extra year um so that's part of the risk so question five how will new rules change the game there are effectively four new rules Mm -hmm. and it's very interesting to me that a sport that usually moves incrementally when it comes to rules um, is unleashing all of these at once. It's actually something that Tony Clark mentioned many years ago was was something to avoid. Because if you do too many rules at once and then you have all these unintended consequences, how do you retrace the steps yeah. to know which rule caused it? Whereas like, if you were to introduce these and staggered, right. you could go, okay, you could troubleshoot them and yeah. know. Um, but so they're effectively for it and shifts gone. Um, I've run on a rant about that on this podcast before, uh, limit them pickoffs, wider bases. And the big one probably for fans is the pitch clock. Oh, yeah. How big it'll be for players depends on who you ask. So how do you think they, they might, this, they might change the game? Well, I think they're, the shift one will <laughs> shift one's gonna be pretty big. Uh, all star Matt Carpenter, two thousand twenty three, for the Padres. All star, but all those all those balls that we're gonna be. Well, you're just predicting all stars left and right. I'm making out the roster. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, silly. I don't. I don't, I don't even know what his situation. Wilson is. Contreras, all star. Is he gonna be the all star catcher? That's a good question. I mean, how many catchers? Well, still have the guy in Atlanta now. He's pretty good. And uh, yeah, uh, quite possibly we'll see. Sean Murphy, you mean? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So with um, what was the who was the original player? We were just talking about like eighteen players at once there. You said Matt Carpenter because Matt Carpenter, there's not yeah. a shift. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know how many at bats he's getting for the Padres, but yes, you would have to think that left-handed batting averages in the league are going to go up a little bit. I don't know how much, but up a little bit. So that's something that affects the the outcome of games. But the pitch clock for 
me, for fans, for Dakota Hudson and Giovanni Gallegos is pretty significant. Um, whether it's speeding up their pitching in the games or for fans, it's going to improve the experience of Major League Baseball. And how many times did this happened to you, happened to me last year, you talked to someone who attended a minor league game in 2022, including my, my own father, who was like, it just went so fast and so well and so snappy. That's why I'm snapping. And it just was great. And because of this pitch clock, it just got the game moving in a, in a proper speed, accelerated it, and uh, everyone seemed to love it. So hopefully... Uh, Hopefully it'll be a similar experience for everybody going to the ballpark this year. I'm eager to see if we do see more steals. And I think spring training might offer a hint of that. The Cardinals usually put the green light on for spring to Mm -hmm. at least try, go, see where the limits are, make the most of it. Um, But I think we might see – I'm eager to kind of watch this as Camp Ollie unfolds is – there are a few guys on this team that should be able to steal more. Um, it's actually part of Jordan Walker's game, to be honest. It's like stealing. Uh, Tyler O'Neill, it could be part of his game. Dylan Carlson, you'd expect it to be part of his game. Um, and, Tommy, and Tommy, of course. Tommy, who leads the team in that. So and Brendan Donovan. Um, also, like, you know, Paul Goldschmidt's had some pretty high numbers of steals. Yeah. So I'm, I'm eager to see how the – the limited pickoffs and the larger bases mm-hmm. create just enough of an edge that the Cardinals are willing to explore adjusting the calculus on when they go, how often they go. And I know that they want some of those guys to make it more more a part of their game. I just thought of this. They all, the advantage, of course, of the oven mitt gloves. Yeah. The Cardinals should get, get some deal going with some cooking company as a promotion. And like the oven mitt for a glove for the base runner, like a giveaway. Giveaway, yeah, yeah. First, first thirty thousand cooks that come through the state. Tommy Admin oven mitt. Yeah, I like it. I like that'd it. be pretty good. Yeah, yeah good. Yeah, that we. You're welcome yeah. for the promote. That's yeah. coming. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's definitely you're coming. Welcome, St. Louis. The Tommy Edmund <laughs> oven mitt is definitely coming. All right, and they, yeah, because that's perfect. That's perfect. Um, question six. Not, not. I mean, you know, you like these. The little peek behind the curtain, like question six, is of course about oh the position six, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What well, like Stan Musial? What, What's your question about Stan Musial? What role will Paul DeYoung have, if any? Yeah, that's well, he makes a team most likely. <laughs> They're paying him to make the team. Uh, they could pay him not to make the team. Yeah, I mean that is a reality. I mean he's got one guaranteed year left, yeah. plus some buyouts at the end. Um, so it's not unusual mm-hmm. for the Cardinals to a trade, sure. try to trade, eat some of that, or um, or say, you know, hey, we'll pay this out, and you can find a, a gig with another team that'll pay you the minimum salary. I mean, that, I mean, if it goes, if it doesn't go well, mm-hmm. that's the decision that the Cardinals have to deal with. But yeah. they're at least within the 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 time frame of mm-hmm. making that call. Yep, and they're starting. Shortstop Edmund will be in the World Baseball Classic for a period of time, so that's more games that DeYoung can play. You, of course, uncovered the uh, newsworthy item that DeYoung has changed his batting stance. He's gotten rid of the leg kick, so that's something. Mm-hmm. You know, more upright. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, it's it's the idea of like, all right, I'm not hitting baseballs. How, what can I do to start hitting baseballs? I got to try something different, and he's doing it. So, you know, I. I, I 
I'm sour on DeYoung as a performer, but I love DeYoung as a human. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 similar to like Coach Travis Ford at SLU, like I like him so much, but God, they keep losing. So it's like, what do you do? You know. Mm-hmm. So um, here's hoping that that these adjustments that DeYoung made uh, will lead to him making the the roster, uh, but. At this point, it, you got it's, you got to show us. What's the best case scenario for for Paul DeYoung? What what is the best? What do you think is is the peak outcome? Uh, realistically, of course. No, I mean, if he if he well, Tommy, if, if Tommy retires, if this change, <laughs> that's what I'm asking. Like, if this change works, yeah, and Paul DeYoung is yeah. you're getting the best from him. Mm-hmm. What does that look like? Well, I mean, I don't. I don't think that he's going to be a all-star again. I don't think so. No, I, I think he's a, a phenomenal fielder and a, a quality bat off the bench. And who was playing in the field in the playoff games in the late innings uh, last year? You know, they, they had Young in there. So, um, yeah, I think best. I think realistic best case scenario is he becomes a, a reliable average hitter and makes the team and gets some at bats and spells some players and uh someone's gonna get injured as we always see and maybe there's a stretch and he does get he's a streaky hitter so maybe he'll, he'll go on a heater as they say um but yeah i don't i don't think see, we keep jumping or i keep jumping back to all-star i don't think he's gonna be an, an all-star do you think he's the starting shortstop in a peak scenario i mean like do you think that all of a sudden if he's performing well it comes down to is he outperforming Brendan Donovan? Is he is he providing power? Nolan Gorman isn't, and all, and you got now Tommy Edmond at second. Yeah, I mean that's clearly something to think about. I mean that means he would have to over perform better than essentially two of those three guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen. Um, I just don't know if that's going to happen. Yeah, I just wondered if you see a scenario where he's the starting shortstop for the Cardinals. Not, not right now. Do you, I mean, not right now. If there's an injury, of course. Yeah. There is that 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 could generate some interesting competition. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, a lot of those guys are well positioned. You know, Brendan Donovan, what he did, the on base percentage. You know, you figure that he and Lars Newbar are going to be in some way competing or vying or part of the leadoff equation at some point. Um, You got Nolan Gorman, who, you know, he obviously was attacked with high fastballs, has worked to minimize how effective those could be against him with his approach, with what he can get to, with all that stuff. If he shows that, then that's some real left-handed power that the Cardinals want. And obviously, left-handed is going to be the fact that uh, is going to put, you know, the thumb on the scale there. That's going to be a good thing for him when it comes to tiebreakers, right? right. Having a left-handed option is what the Cardinals yeah. really desire. Um, which brings us to what quietly might be the most competitive Ooh. part of camp. Um, and it's it's interesting because it might not be one in games in Grapefruit League. I mean, just as like Andre Pallante kind of won his way onto the opening day with performances on the backfields and how you know interested they became in just what, what they were seeing from his pitches. You could see this this element of the roster also be decided by that, and there, there I mean there there are at least eight coming to camp, and as this unfolds, there could be more, and that is of course question seven: Who will be left after the camp's most crowded competition? That is upon yeah for left here left yeah so who's coming out of this group 
was a left-handed relief option. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I particularly enjoyed that question you had in there just because there was a lot of um, you know, just information. I mean, there's information with the other nine questions. Don't get me wrong. But I just, I just like this one because it's like, all right, who are these options? How many will Marmol and Dusty Blake go with in regards to left-handed arms and who can also be a starter and who is just simply a left-handed relief pitcher. Uh, there's a lot of names in there. Like I said, up to eight guys. And Zach Thompson, of course, is intriguing um, for numerous reasons, but also could does can he be a starter? Does he want to be a starter? Um, what is his future there? You know, he's kind of in that clump there with Woodford and, and uh, Hudson and, and, and some of those guys. So, yeah. And then Henesis, who we've seen pitch at a high level. And Henesis, who we've seen blow it in key games at a high level. So that'll be interesting, too. He's going off to the World Baseball Classic. It'll be interesting to see his role there. Also, they've worked with him a lot on trying to regain some of the effectiveness that he had, whether that's through deception or kind of pitch shape. Um, also, velocity. I mean, they're, they're, there's some sense that whatever you know he had or series of illnesses he had last year that that depleted him of strength or uh, you know tinkered or i guess just made a slight glitch in his whatever sure. but the velocity dipped and um you know they talk about zach thompson as if he's in the bullpen and he's really like the only one that they're like well we're, the, he's gonna have a role there yeah. which i find interesting um, but they were they were pretty encouraged. They were very encouraged with what they've seen already from the pitchers who are here. Packy Naughton, um, you know, JoJo Romero acquired in trade didn't get a whole lot of run, but has intrigue. And then of course they've added two lefties already. Um, one of which they added to the roster, and Anthony Meisowitz. To I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. I asked. Sound right to me. Uh, uh, we'll double check with him, but um, but that's the pronunciation I, I was given, and you know from Kansas City, guy high strikeout rate, um, you know, and a lot of lefty, a lot of it when it comes to lefties is not reading like the overall ERA. It's reading how do they do against left-handed batters, how much damage do they give up to right-handed batters, and you know if they strike out lefties and they minimize damage. For right-handers, that's a real good combination. Um, even better if they strike out, a, you know, both sides and don't walk many. Like that's the other side of this. That would be really good. So, <laughs> like, you, you kind of look over the ERA because of like you don't know what might bloat that a little bit. What one outing and yeah. look more to like the. So we'll see. Um, you know, I think they there's quantity there. And it's telling that they went and made the trade as opposed to made a signing. I think that's probably the, one of the more revealing parts of this is their they're, they're quantity. They think they can get quality from it. They're, they're building depth just in case guys aren't sharp. Genesis isn't sharp. They have depth there. Um, they have options, meaning they, they can option them to the minor leagues. So I, I think it'll be really interesting. It's got a versatile group. I don't know really if it's an effective group. Right. right. Yeah. No. I, uh, yeah. Well said. And and I'm. I'm are you like, Zach Thompson's on the team, so we, he's in there. <laughs> well, they talk about. I'm not saying he is. Well, I mean, that's that's one thing that they'll have to address. Right? Is like long term, is he a starter, right. and does that mean he leads? the Memphis rotation because Packy Naughton or Jojo Romero or one of these new additions and Andrew Suarez coming back from Asia. I mean, it was one because 
he could be a swing man if that's the role for Zach Thompson, left-handed swing man. You got that. So it's it's an interesting spot because obviously Zach Thompson would rather be accumulating Major League Baseball service time and salary. Um, But he's also in that spot where, like, if there are options that are as effective, more effective in relief, Mm -hmm. does this allow for the Cardinals to go, man, let's let's see if he's – he and Libertor leading that rotation, and and Libertor is a lefty too, who could factor in here, yeah, right, yeah. in some way. So, lead, if if that's more appealing, and you have those guys um, there, I also think the number of lefties they carry in the rotation might hinge on what Dakota Hudson's role is. Okay, you yeah. know, that'll be really interesting to think about too, and to kind of watch as the pieces have to move in concert to create. Is it one? I mean, because Palante does so well against mm-hmm. left. Is it there's is there only one lefty in the bullpen or is there three? Yeah, and, and you just don't know. Yeah, it's gonna be a bunch of fun to wa- watch and find out. So question eight was of course position eight, which I, in thinking about it, you know it does stand out maybe a little bit more than I expected. Is who's the center fielder on this team of the three outfielders? Mm. Who will be center field? Well. I, I just I think it's going to be Carlson. It, you, you listen to the way the Cardinals coaches, manager, and front office spoke after the trade deadline last year about Carlson's potential. It, it sounded like he was the center fielder of the future. And I know he was banged up last year, but he, he, he played admirably in the field for long stretches there. Now, of course, Newt Bard was came on late and 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 he's such an exciting and enticing person and player and and the whole thing um but i i think as we play this out carlson's just going to be here in camp if he's healthy he's going to be the center fielder and and newt will play his butt off and right and then i didn't even mention tyler o'neill in this answer but we did talk about him earlier that he's going to play center field likely for team canada and he has gold gloves on his resume. It was interesting that Newbar started in center field in the elimination game in their yeah. last game. I mean, Newbar was out there in yeah, center yeah. field. So, like, towards yeah. the end of the year, like in the big moments, yeah. we saw him there. But what what percent what percentage was Carlson at health wise, et cetera? We yeah. we don't know all those things. But I, I guess just banking on what we've heard, I, I think it's Carlson's job to lose. Um, but the good problem that could happen is that Newt Bar shows this ascension as a fielder. And, and I mean, talk about his ascension in the second half just as a baseball player. What if it continued over the winter and he shows up to spring next level? What What's the percentage breakdown, though, of how important the glove is versus the bat? Like, what kind of hitter does Dylan Carlson have to be to be the center field? And because if, like you said, like it might, like if Newt Bar can play center and continues on the offensive trajectory, maybe you don't pay that much attention to the glove. Yeah, so that's that's interesting. Are you as we talk about this for the next minute or so, or a couple minutes? It's like, are we just assuming that those are the three starting outfielders and and they can move around, or are you saying that if Newt Bar does excels at center field? Why? Why does that change, Carlson? My question to you: Jordan Walker would be in right field, okay, or Yepes would be in left field, You're or saying, yeah. I mean, I'm saying how 
you you were talking about defense, Mm -hmm. and my sense is that actually offense might decide who starts in center field. Okay, okay. So, yeah, but I I guess I was just kind of under the impression that if all three guys, of course, O'Neal, Carlson, and Newbar have good springs, Mm -hmm. they are the starting outfielders and – but yeah, no. But it's a very fair question and a fun question too, um, because of this of this this Walker aspect. And yeah, so if Newpark takes over at center, to yeah, I mean you're right. Yeah, for you, what kind of offensive player should Dylan Carlson be? What does he need to be for this team? Well, I, I would say a guy that is going to be he's not going to be hitting thirty home runs, but twenty twenty five home runs, and just. The higher batting average as a left-handed hitter um, is vital. I mean, if you as you talk about looking at splits, I mean, he's a pretty good ball player as a, as a right-handed hitter. Pretty good. So can he up his lefty game? Well, we're about to find out. It would be really important for the Cardinals, like we kind of keep circling back to Gorman left-handed. We haven't mentioned Alec Burleson. Alec Burleson will have a say in some of these outfield competitions too, yeah. left-handed. And then Newt Barr already in there. They talk about him as an everyday outfielder. In fact, that's even what Marmol said. Left-handed bat, left-handed damage. If Dylan Carlson can be that left-handed on base percentage, along with, say, Brendan Donovan, you know, the lineup all of a sudden has that left-handed look that they really have been searching for for multiple years now. So I think there's something to that. It's, It's where does he fit in is he i mean if if he if dylan starts providing doubles mm-hmm. you know from the left side cool. that's he's the center fielder it's no question yeah. Yeah. no well said and again that's the fun of spring to see uh, if anybody ascends and if anybody starts low which brings us to question number nine who can spring a surprise i mentioned a handful of guys i guess we can talk through those wilking rodriguez the cardinals rule five pick fascinating story they tried to get him from his his team in mexico had were negotiating with the team the team said you know what we like winning and he's part of our winning so we're not going to give him up yet he finishes the season he works out a deal with the Yankees. Okay. Um, so the Cardinals were talking to the team. The Yankees sign him directly. So he goes on to the Yankees roster. They don't protect him for the Rule 5 draft. They don't put him on the on the 40-man roster to protect him from the Rule 5 draft. So the Cardinals snag him there. Other teams are like, oh, that's a – like there were other teams that went, oh, wait, what? Oh. Yeah, um, because – you know, he pitched in the majors in 2014, um, strangely against the Cardinals, I think. Um, but he's not that pitcher. He's more powerful, um, got more experience, you know, is done. You know, I mean, he's just bounced back from, you know, a real kind of setback in his, a couple setbacks in his career. Mm-hmm. Um, so 100 mile per hour, power right hander, crowded bullpen. Um, you could, but they have to keep him on the roster, so he already has an edge there. Unless he's yeah. going back to the pinstripes, um, just a fascinating kind of subplot sure. here in spring. Yeah. Um, but he could do it. Um, you got Michael McGreevy, who um, prospect, former first round pick. Um, he's got a great fastball. He's he. 
you know, last year Andre Pallante was in this group right. and stood out and made opening day. Well, McGreevy's a lot like Pallante right down to the fact that they're from the same uh, – you know, same, same high school. They were high school team. Yeah, same high school. And uh, I know Jack Flaherty has said that he's going to he's taking McGreevy under his wing. Oh, really? Um, this this spring, which is pretty cool. Um, both six foot four righties from Southern California who were picked in the first round by the Cardinals. And uh, yeah, so I'm excited about McGreevy. That's, sure, that's good. What, what, did Jack elaborate on on why? No, uh, I just I sensed that they they had a connection, and um, he's going to room with him this uh, this spring, and yeah, it's, it, that's about it. Very good. Yeah. This, and so he's just rooming with Flaherty, and Palante's like, "Hey, bud, wait, why aren't we? We're, right. we're, we're, we're pals. Are we? What about me? Wow." Yeah. But yeah, you, um, there's a lot of interesting names, and you mentioned Oscar Mercado in, in your piece in the Ten Questions, and we mentioned him here on the podcast. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's had stretches where he's a pretty good major league baseball player. So, Good um, defensive center fielder, so he factors into that center field. I'm also a base stealer, like a guy who stole a lot of bases for the Cardinals was, was really unlike any other player they had at that time. The, mm-hmm. the, when he was a prospect with the Cardinals before they traded him to Cleveland, um, he was a shortstop, and he was struggling at shortstop. Mm-hmm. And they moved him to center field, and every element of his game took I was like, just like the stress relief mm-hmm. of no longer having to try to keep up with the pace of the game mm-hmm. and the execution at shortstop just it made him just play so much freer. Cool. And you got to see, you know, maybe, you know, that the looseness of his play fit the range of center field, the looseness of his play played into the daredevil aspect of stealing bases and, sure. and he took off and then he took off to Cleveland. And the, right. And the other name, uh, Connor Thomas, we, we see some of these guys just, just use the Arizona fall league as a, uh, mm-hmm. as a launching pad to their, their next huge season. And maybe that, maybe we'll see that out of Connor. Then finally, the 10th question from my group here from the annual asking of 10 questions facing the Cardinals is, are there extensions or additions to address the future? It's not on deck, but it is on the horizon, all the openings in the rotation. The, the, the Cardinals only have one of the current five under contract for 2024. That's Stephen Matz. They also have control of Dakota Hudson for 2024. Um, it used to be an annual kind of thing, right? Like, you know, the extension of spring. Yeah. 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 Or don't bring in the agent in Paul Goldschmidt's case, (laughs) just kind of reluctantly kind of do, uh, um, or in Alan Craig's case, rush to do a press conference along the, along the foul line, all that. So, but you know, Wong to young Craig going way back pools a couple times, Adam Wainwright, um, miles, Michaelis Goldschmidt mentioned, um, you know, this this spring, there are the extensions of players who are coming up on free agency that are possible. And then there are a couple guys, like, say, a Tommy Edmond, where you, you see other teams making that commitment to that to the, that position, that style of player, that level of service time, where you could see something happening. Um, what what do you think needs to happen, Benjamin? Well, I, I, I don't think anything needs to happen in so much as you play the season out, but 
if Miles Michaelis wants to keep being part of your organization and he's keep, I mean, I think you try to figure out a way to keep Miles Michaelis uh, part of your organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been a great fit. Uh, someone who, of course, literally went overseas to, to rediscover his game, a la the movie Mr. Baseball. And he's, he's an important part of the Cardinals organization. Uh, he wants to be here. He loves his teammates. He's big in the clubhouse personality-wise. Um, and he's pitching many innings. So if they if you can work something out with him, that would be awesome. Uh, Montgomery, of course, what an asset to get um, in that in that trade. You give up a Gold Glove center fielder, so it's not like you just picked him up off the the, the scrap heap. But I'm I'm excited about Montgomery's future too. If you lock him in, but I think I but I don't I don't think you need to. If they come out of spring without an extension, it's not like oh the Cardinals are doomed. It's just they didn't get the business done during this window. Well. I mean, maybe, maybe it is that they're doomed. I mean, the, you know, if you don't come out with a deal while the guy's in your clubhouse yeah. and he goes into free agency, mm-hmm. not like the Cardinals have met the price of starters in free agency. So, and now they're into an auction, say, you know, that where, mm-hmm. you know, they're like either have to offer, like meet the financial price, which they will, but also have to meet the opportunity right. that these other teams, as opposed to now where they kind of have, you know, the audience of one, right? right no um, so this one would make, would seems it's like something that makes sense. It could be logical. But then the other part of it is like, there's a lot of free agents next year and uh we talked about the liberators of the world who are, are moving up uh you, you think about 2024 and who, who could be in the rotation i mean he could very well be a, a starter so they got him and matt's already so yeah um but i think i think michaelis would be the one that I, I would hope and think most realistically could get done do you have a number two in that list, do you, I mean, do you think like the free agent, the pending free agents mm-hmm. for the Cardinals are Adam Wainwright, who has said that this is his last year, Miles Michaelis, Jordan Montgomery, and then Jack Flaherty. Jack Flaherty is pitching this year with free agents at the end. Do you do you think they need to get two of those three to come back, or just one? And if it is two out of three, who would you like that to be? Yeah, I mean. Assuming Jack Flaherty has a great year, well, you said he's an All Star. Yeah, so we're, you know, I'm saying, I'm saying, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely high on Jack Flaherty. So the question is, like, yes, I, sports writer, or I, Cardinals front office guy, or even I, if I was a Cardinals fan, would want Flaherty long term. But what, mm-hmm. what's the cost going to be? And you can't. I don't think you can work out that contract now. You, you can't, can't do it now. Yeah. So it's just like you play the season out. But yeah. Um, Hopefully, things have. It seems like things have gotten a little smoother with with executives and, and Flaherty. And I here's hoping that he just pitches great uh, and is like, you know what? Like, who, who who's one of my the people I admire the most? Adam Wainwright. Who else did I admire the most? Bob Gibson. Could I be like the next one of them? That's pretty cool. Maybe I could do that. And and maybe indeed he signs long term with St. Louis. But let's talk about short term first. Uh, Thirty starts in twenty twenty three. 
And then when he's at that All Star game that you predicted, then maybe they work out an extension coming out of that. No, right? that would be no, that would be cool. That would be cool. The night before he takes the ball as the All Star starter. No, he's not going to be the All Star starter. I think I think a Met will be the All Star starter. <laughs> Bold. Yeah. <laughs> you heard it here first. You got all kinds of All Star predictions going on. Wow, that's very. I just that came off the top of my head. I don't know who's going to be the All Star starter. All right, Paul Goldschmidt is signed through twenty twenty four. When do you talk to the MVP Ooh. about finishing his career as a Cardinal? Oh gosh, that's I, I don't have a I, I don't know to be honest, but that's another part of this that he he came here to be part of this long term and I, I yeah I would like to work I, I think working out with Paul Goldschmidt uh, he clearly it was 30, age thirty five season mm-hmm. last year right and he wins the MVP um, now he had a terrible September and an even worse October but. I, uh, I think they could lock him up. That would be a nice move, yes. Well, I just ask him when. When do yeah, you do no, it? Yeah, I, no, I don't have an answer for that. I don't, have a, I don't have an answer for that. Okay. All right, that brings us through the 10. Do you have a question left on cover? Do you have one that, that is, uh, is kind of hankering for you to have answered? No, because we're talking about specifically about, about spring training. I mean, the, the, the question would be, can they get through? I guess the question would be, can they get through this without a major injury? Mm-hmm. And um, you can't predict that necessarily. But, yeah, uh, they, a major injury could, could definitely derail this team. And, and then if I step away from it and we look big picture and we talk about it a lot in the newspaper and your chats some of my videos, um, the Cardinals are a pretty great ball club. But what does that mean if you're also in a league that has the Mets, the Braves, the Padres, the Dodgers, and the Phillies, and maybe even the Giants? Yeah. And so it's that that's what looms over this team is have a great year again. That You probably do it. You probably crack 90 wins. But what does that get you? It was interesting in talking to um, folks around the Cardinals just about like things that they wanted to know, what they wanted to kind of leave spring with, and you know there 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 were some topics brought up, but the one universal answer was kind of like, yeah, I mean, spring is about getting ready. You know, uh, the answer that we need is in October. You know, that's the team that they want to be, um, and they realize like they have not had an answer for October now for multiple years. You know, it'll be ten um, at least without a pennant. Right. It'll be a thousand days at least, probably eleven hundred days at least without a series win in the playoffs. So you know, whatever questions they have of spring, you know, they they'll they'll leave camp in march and go well the answers are really there in october yeah exactly exactly and this is that's why i said however long this has been early in the podcast pivotal season i mean yes every every season's a pivotal season but with wainwright retiring and the cardinals uh (laughs) having won one playoff round since 2014 and these other teams splurging on players like this is a year to prove that you can compete with the big boys in the National League because if you don't it's like what are you even doing here very good thanks Benjamin Hockman that that is probably the question right that's the 11th question what are you even doing what are you here? doing here what are you even doing here that is Benjamin Hockman, sports columnist at the St. Louis Post-Dispatch and SDLToday.com. You can catch all of his coverage from spring training, including 10 Hockman video every morning. Uh, he's been doing them right there from the Cardinals facility. We'll have coverage every day. And, of course, as spring 
camp starts, all of the constant coverage starts. Lynn Worthy will be here soon. Yeah. And along the way, also will, at one point, time here in the near future we'll have five staff members from the post dispatch committed to covering this spring training camp no other local um outlet will will invest that much in covering the cardinals yeah i mean like in regards to covering the cardinals we are like the padres mets (laughs) we we are like those top teams in regards to just assets just poured in uh resources and we've got of course all the writers and then the videographer and the photographer coming down i mean cardinal i mean i'm I'm on i'm on our team so i'm 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 admitting this but like cardinals fans hopefully are are, are appreciative of of just what post-dispatch provides to them i mean we have a guy on staff who just covers the minor leagues and, and does that so well. I mean, how cool is that? Yeah. One of the, one of the few papers that actually has that, and it's fantastic. It has Daniel Guerrero, of course, and he is also the co-host of a podcast geared towards the minor league coverage, which is one of the galaxy of podcasts that we have at the Post-Dispatch. It really then is it, a galaxy. It's a galaxy. Is it a constellation? Is that a better way to do well, it? They all, all, all of them are sterling. I thought you were going to say they all have stars. Yeah, I was going to, and I was like, wait, could Sterling be better? And then I said it, and I was like, I bet the stars would have been better. Stars would have been better. <laughs> yeah, you got Netfront Presence, which is the hockey podcast. Tom Timmerman, the the SDL City beat writer, is going to start up a soccer podcast. And, of course, there is Dave Matter yeah. and Ben Fredrickson with their Mizzou podcast, Eye on the Tigers. So you can find those podcasts wherever you get your podcasts and at stltoday.com. That's also where you can find the best podcast in baseball. It's sponsored by Closet by Design of St. Louis. You can get the best podcast in baseball on iTunes where you can rate and review the podcast. I do check those out because here we are, year 11 of this thing. Year 11. You've built this, man. Be proud. This is a cool thing you've done. Yeah. We need merch, I'm told. BPIB merch? Yeah. I would wear a hat, especially if it had that early 90s script to it. The early 90s. It's not that old. No, 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 no. no the, I'm sorry. The script on the hats that, that people have been wearing, including myself, the, the hats that were very popular in the late 80s, early 90s, where it'd say, like, in short, in, in small words, it'd say, like, uh, Golden State. Oh, the NFL ones where yeah. and it had cursive bears. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, like in, in corduroy caps. Yes. And, and, um, the one I was just referring to would say Warriors, and I have one that says St. Louis Post-Dispatch, and so that's what we need. Where did you get that one? I had it made. It's off the internet. But uh, it's a one of one. of one. You didn't have best podcast. Wow. I'm saying you can – that's what we're doing. That's next. You could have best podcast in, and then the big word would be baseball. Well, interesting. That'd be cool. That'd be a one of one? Unless I want one, too, so two of two. Of two. <laughs> what? We could get 11 for the 11th yeah, year. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give right. Fredrickson, give him Dana Guerrero. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. All right. We'll, we'll work on that. Maybe that'll be the, the small goal for uh, for the 11th season, having actual, or maybe just a sticker that we can hand out or something. That'd be good. Even, yeah. I'll put it on sticker. my computer. You put it. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll put it on a notebook. All right, that's Benjamin Hockman. Thank you all for uh, listening. Thank you all for listening through all the years. Thank you all for being there um, because this podcast only exists now going on uh, past a decade because of the community that uh, continues to listen to it and uh, and really has helped shape it. So thank you very much. Spring training is here. Away we go. Let's do it.